Um, and maybe you're one of the guys that's just coming back too. Welcome back. We live in Alaska because it's the great land. And so uh, the great land needs to get outdoors. I hope you've been able to get out, enjoy the beautiful summer, enjoy the uh, fantastic opportunities around us, and uh, actually make some memories, some really fun, help you enjoy being on the planet, so to speak. So uh, God bless you. Winter's coming. It'll be great as well. All in favor of snow, say aye. Yeah, we got one eye over here, and uh, I have three, uh, four kids. One of them, is the Keela, loves snow. She thinks snow is the greatest thing ever, so we got a couple of Alaskans in our family. Anyways, thank you so very much. We'll do our missions offering at the end of the message today. Uh, thank you for your love for missions. Thank you for serving him in that way. Thank you for your tithe and your offerings. Uh, if you get a moment, I'd like you to celebrate with me that we do have new heating system at MCA Church. Air con- not air conditioning, but air cooling. And uh, Howard Hansen, that's all his fault. He's been working on that. Thank you, Howard. And we appreciate the labor there. We also have our new floor in the Children's Ministry Center, and I'm biased, but I think it's worth a look. It is beautiful work there, Howard, and I like it very much. The halls will be done tomorrow. Just kidding. It takes a long time to do those, but uh, we'll be starting on those right away, and uh, we're making progress on all of our objectives uh, related to this facility. It's due to your uh, kind giving and your generosity. Tonight at 5.30, we have our first gathering of our yeshiva, which is a one-on-one master apprentice model discipleship ministry. Pastor Faye is leading the Northwest Partnership Program. I started out with Howard leading that, and I figured out that was too much work for what we wanted Howard to do, and um, and so Faye had some slot open in her time schedule. Plus, she did that doctor thing. So we have Dr. Faye. And so uh, you can learn with Faye if you want to. That would be a really cool deal. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing on our resources. Thank you, Lord, that you are superintending uh, the situations of our lives. Uh, we found out this week that BP is selling to Hillcor, and uh, we have people that work at both places. And we ask your blessing on BP. We ask your blessing on Hillcor as people navigate their jobs in the oil industry. We pray that you would uh, navigate that for your glory, and that we'll all be relaxed in how you run your world. We'll trust you because when we work at job A, we trust you. When we don't have job A, we trust you. The end is the same. We trust you. So, Lord, we. Thank Thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. I got a couple of cartoons for you today. I'm talking about friendship right now, and I thought this one was pretty good. It says, we've been friends for so long, I can't remember which one of us is the bad influence. That's pretty good. I think that's good. Has anybody seen a camel in the house? It's because he is camouflaged. And this one is a great one right here. It says, I had a happy childhood. Dad would roll me down the hill in a tire. Those were good years. (laughs) Firestone. All right. The usher is going to pray for my sense of humor. I think it's beyond uh, that. Very fun. Very good. A lot of information to cover today, as uh, this is the last Sunday talk in this part of the series, 
And I have uh, some stuff I really want to input into your life in regards to this idea of charging into the vast space between ourselves and others. And so, Lord, as we study the word, we pray that you would give us insight as we come together to reason. We reason with you. We ask God that when we're done, we will look more like your son, Jesus. Amen. We're learning to enter the distance between ourselves and others through relational instruction in the Bible. One of the, one of the things that I like to help people with is sort of maybe the points of, of Christianity. You know, I, I like Greek and I like the details and I like, I like church and I like theology and I like all that kind of stuff. And I think you do too. That's why you're here on this uh, weekend service. But in the end, it's pretty simple. We learn to love God and love our neighbors. It's, it's not all the details. We don't need to get caught up in the details. We can, uh, simply learn, uh, to be nice people. And one Christian mom was struggling years ago and, uh, and she was trying, really struggling. And I said, you know, before you worry about making great Christians, how about you just raise nice kids? You know, uh, before we worry about if they have the book of Psalms memorized, how about we just worry about, do they know how to say thank you? And, and yes, ma'am. And, uh, I'd be happy to. And, and so in this process, we realized that you know, when you start in Genesis and go to Revelation, you can sort of lose the idea. You know what? I just, I just really need to be a good friend. I need to be a decent dad. I need to be a loving human being. And have you ever seen somebody use the Bible to be unloving? It's, it's quite like the oxymoronic. Uh, it's the, it, uh, an unloving Bible is not the Bible at all. And so, uh, I'm fascinated that this is a relational instruction book. It's a re- re- uh, relational book on how to exist together, coexist, how to, how to do well. And, and Christianity alone, to my knowledge, says that you love your enemies. Christianity alone says when they hit you on one side of your face, turn and let them hit you on the other side of your face because you value a relationship with them more than hitting back. And, and it's a, it's a great idea that God is inviting us to fine tune this whole relational side of our lives. Uh, the main driving force for starting this was Pastor Fix sentenced to me years ago, and he knew my bent. Begin, I was beginning to pastor, and I was new, and and he knew my bent was toward philosophy and theology. That's sort of how I roll. That's kind of my favorite part of of uh, life. Actually, I love new thoughts. I love thinking. And Pastor Fix said, "Kent, that's all good, but I have something I like to coach you in." I said, "Okay, what is it?" He said, "People need help making friends." And so this lesson today is my fifth one on Sunday daytime. I've done about four on Sunday nights as well. So this would be my ninth or tenth message, trying to help you and help me make friends. Because we do our best work and we live our best lives when we charge into the vast space between ourselves and others, Joshua Schenck says in Powers of Two. What I want to highlight today is that Discovering profound similarities energizes friendship development. There's a, in Proverbs especially, we see uh, at least two components to friendship. 
If there's not some similarity, a friendship cannot develop. And so we, we find profound similarities in order to have friendships. And we embrace significant differences. Because those significant differences fuel friendship maturation. Those are the two words I want to navigate in this conversation today. Similarities and differences in friendship. The late Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, justices of the Supreme Court of the United States, couldn't have been more different ideologically. On most matters of law, they were diametrically opposed one to the other. They had similarities and differences. At the same time, Justice Scalia and Justice Ginsburg shared joyful similarities and became best of friends from an article about their friendship. Sure, the two justices, friends since the 1980s, had some things in common. They shared a love of opera. They came from Outer Borough, New York City. Before they were two of the nine, they were contemporaries as law professors and served together on the United States Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. But the reserved Clinton appointee and the bombastic Reagan pick had vastly different views on the Constitution and the role of the court. Had Scalia been a justice when Ginsburg was arguing women's rights cases before the court throughout the 70s, he certainly would have voted against her. He wrote the solo dissent to her majority in U.S. versus Virginia, the opinion that ended women's exclusion from the Virginia Military Institute and formed the capstone of her lifelong fight for gender equality. This is not the interpretation of a constitution, Scalia complained, but the creation of one. These guys were very, very different. And yet one former clerk told Scalia what he was Ginsburg's favorite souvenir shopping buddy when they traveled together. On a trip to India, they famously rode an elephant together. I have a picture of that with Scalia sitting up front. They said, well, what about feminism? As Scalia said, it had to do with the distribution of weight. That's why he was in front. He was heavier. Uh, they shared New Year's Eves with their families and friends. Scalia kills it, and Marty, Ginsburg's husband, cooks it, recalled one guest, former Bush solicitor Ted Olson. I never heard them talk about anything political or ideological because there would be no point, Ginsburg's grandson Paul uh, told us. In fact, when Chief Justice announced Marty, uh, Ruth Ginsburg's husband's death from the bench, Scalia wept on the bench. Scalia says, if you can't disagree ardently with your colleagues about some issues of law and yet personally still be friends, get another job for Pete's sake, is how Scalia once described their lifetime appointments. As annoyed as you might be about his zinging dissent, he is so utterly charming, so amusing, so sometimes outrageous, you can't help but say, I'm glad that he's my friend and my colleague, Ginsburg said about Scalia. Another one that's famous is Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. It was in the April 15th, 1947, with the encouragement and support of Pee Wee Reese, a person very different from himself, that Jackie Robinson broke the baseball color line when he started at first base for the Brooklyn Dodgers. 
When Jackie took the field for the first time, the first time a black man actually went into the white league, the first time that happened, the hatred, the vitriol, the racism, the cruelty poured out of the stands. The language was unbearable. The racism was excruciating. Jackie was different and not welcomed nor wanted by many. But Pee Wee Reese made a statement on the field that day to Jackie that has impacted nations, people, and families. Jackie and Pee Wee were very different from each other and yet similar. When you think about the differences and similarities in your relationships, you realize that both are necessary. For example, uh, my wife and I are very similar on some stuff. And we are very different on some other stuff. And as a young husband, those differences really bugged me. For example, we have been married since 1991, and we have never once gone from point A to point B thinking that was the right way to go. My wife thinks you should go this way. I think you should go that way. We always end up at point B, but we never agree on how to get from point A to point B. Uh, I'm talking about driving in particular. Sorry, to get to my, we're not the pilots, but you know, like if I'm going home, I'll go down here and turn right on Creekside to get to my house. And she goes, you should have gone straight. And uh, uh, next time I'll go straight, she'll say, you should have turned. And we're similar, but we're different. Uh, how many of you men in the house, you read the whole menu and you think, what do I want to eat for dinner tonight? Let me see your hand. Your whole menu, guys. My wife is a whole menu lady. I don't even care what I eat. I just walk in and say, what do you have tonight? And we're similar and we're different. Well, this similarity and difference thing is important in this relationship concept in the Bible. Jonathan and David had a similarity that provided almost an instant friendship. It says the similarities led quickly to an enduring friendship. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, it happened in a moment. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And uh, Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Similar, just like that. I mean, it was just, they recognized something inside. My heart is the same as something inside your heart. And you knit them together in the matter of seconds. C.S. Lewis in the book, The Four Loves, says friendship uh, is born at the moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought no one but myself. It's that moment when, when that unique thing about you, you see in someone else. And that it's that moment, the, the sentence I've written for you is C.S. Lewis hints at the importance of similarities for friendship discovery. We try to teach people to make friends. People need help making friends. I would like to suggest today, maybe it's not that we make friends, but we discover friends. We discover something inside of us that resonates with something inside of the other, and we discover this beautiful thing called friendship. 
I, I'm going to work on this. I was praying about it yesterday, but almost all of my friends are similar in the sense that they love the work of Jesus in the world. And I really need some friends that aren't based on loving the work of Jesus in the world. I, I got out of playing racquetball, so I don't really have any friends like, oh, you play too? So do I. Let's say, let, let's, no, I got out of that and I, I got out of golf where I had a bunch of buddies that were, and, and so I've let my friendship circle sort of dwindle down, although it's a huge deal, uh, dwindle down to people that also love the Lord and love the work of the Lord. And then I find almost an immediate uh, connection with people who love the work of the Lord in Burkina Faso. And then I find an even greater interest in people who love the work of the Lord in Burkina Faso by drilling water wells for those who have no water. And I find a deep kindred with those who like to provide education for children that would otherwise not be able to go to school as I discover a similarity between me and them. And as you think about your own uh, situation of friendships, be, be open to the discovery of similarities. But differences are as equally important because differences are inevitable and essential for relational growth and sustenance. There has to be a difference in the relationship for this relationship to actually flourish. For example, Proverbs 27 verse 5 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Well, there is, there is a suggestion. The word friend indicates a similarity. The word faithful are the wounds of a friend indicate a difference. Have you ever had a friend actually wound you because they loved you? And they told you, they told you something that, that was painful at the moment only to find out that it was life giving to you. And in fact, years later, you can go back to your friend and say, thank you that even though we were similar, you brought your difference to the equation and your difference made me better. I am better because you are different than me. I remember years ago, as I was struggling with uh, post-traumatic stress, I didn't understand what it was, and I didn't know anything about all that. All I knew, I was messed up with something, and uh, uh, the doctor wanted me to take a medicine for this thing called PTSD. Well, I am a man of God, and I am not taking medicine. I am healed, whole, and healthy, and I do not need that medicine. So uh, um, my mom or somebody said, you should ask your friends. So I asked, I have a personal board of directors, and I asked my personal board of directors, this crazy doctor doesn't realize faith. He doesn't understand what God can do in a life. He wants me to take medicine. They go, we think you should. I go, you're a bad friend. We think you should. You're two bad friends. Third one, we think you should. It was unanimous. Three to zero, take the medicine. They were different than me. It hurt my feelings, and I took the medicine. Because everybody needs somebody to submit to. That's a very important line. Everybody needs somebody to submit to. And from time to time, those friends that have a difference from you, those friends that think, I wouldn't do that if I were you, uh, uh, I wouldn't date her or him if I were you, 
Uh, I don't think I'd quit that job if I were you. I think I would get one. Whatever the case might be, that's that, it's that similarity and that differences that makes for that Proverbs 27 say be uh, life-giving and growing and sustaining. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. In the similarities, it's like velvet to velvet. In the differences, it's like iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpening iron. So the Christianizing of our lives includes the total transformation of who we are and how we relate to God. How we relate to others. And how we relate to ourselves. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Or in another translation, all the old is gone, for the old has passed away. There's a, there is a unregenerated way we relate to each other. There is an unregenerated way we relate to God. There is an unrelated, unregenerated way we relate to ourselves. And salvation at the core includes the birth of new ways of relating. Praise God. Are any of you better relators than you were before you were saved? You know what I'm saying? Before Jesus came in and changed your heart, you had a pattern of relationship styles. And then now that you have come to faith in Christ, you have created new relationship styles. I like watching it. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a popular song, uh, and I can't quote it because it's... Uh, uh, I don't have it memorized, but it was something like this. I'd come home drunk and I'd beat my kids and they'd hide behind the couch. That's sort of the verse. And then the chorus is this. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, that man doesn't live here anymore. And the, by the final verse, when dad comes home, no longer relating in anger, no longer relating uh, uh, only through alcohol, no, uh, no longer relating only through dysfunction, now they have a blessed family that has a brand new way of relating. Have you heard of the idea of codependency? Codependency is a popular counseling term. And it came out of salvation, uh, it came out of uh, the rescue mission's ministry. The rescue mission, God used powerfully to help people become sober. He, uh, it used, many, many people became sober through the rescue mission. And when they got home sober and began to live their sober lives, what happened? They all got divorced. And so they're thinking, you know what? You're sober now, and it's ruining your relationships. Why is sobriety ruining your relationships? Because the family developed a skill set around a dysfunctional person. And so when the one person became healthy, they realized the rest of the family that did not have the addiction were co-dependent on the alcohol, even though they didn't drink. So they learned what we would call family systems dynamics. We don't just need to help the guy or the gal get healthy. We have to help the whole group get, get more healthful. 
Praise the Lord that thanks to Calvary, salvation is whole new ways of relating. Whole new ways of relating. Uh, one day I was in my counselor's office, this was years ago, and uh, he said, you must be an angry young man. I told him all about my story. He goes, you must be an angry young man. I said, I'm not angry at all. He goes, look in the mirror. I go, no, I'm good, I'm good. He said, look in the mirror. So I go over and I look in the mirror, and you can see my blood vessels pumping in my head like this. It's going, poof, poof. And my, you can see my blood vessels here. I didn't know how to relate to anger. I didn't know how. The way you relate to anger is the joy of the Lord. Lord is my strength. The way you relate to anger is uh, uh, this too shall pass. I learned all these ways to not actually relate to anger, but to ignore it. And now here I am years later, a follower of Jesus. And I'm happy to say that salvation is changing the way I learn how to relate to anger. It's a beautiful thing to watch God at the core help you have a whole new way of relating to the world, a new way of relating to success and failure, a new way of relating to opinions about yourselves. You see, charging into the vast space between ourselves and others is designed to inspire your faith. I'm wanting to inspire your faith to courageously move into relationships with people who are very similar to you. And at the same time, very different from yourself. Asking God to help you reach into your soul and cross the aisle, as it were, and say, you know, uh, we'll use a political illustration of Scalia and Ginsburg. I'm conservative Republican. You're a liberal Democrat. Let's reach across the differences there and recognize you're made in the image of God. I'm made in the image of God. We have some similarities and we have some differences. Let's be friends. If you have the time this week, I'd like for you to think about who is my best friend that's different than me? Who is my best friend that's different from me? Our life groups are intentionally designed. They start in two weeks. Our life groups are intentionally designed to help you see personal transformation in your ways of relating. A whole new way of relating to people. A whole new way of relating to God. And I'm inviting you to develop the courage and commitment to maximize these opportunities MCA gives to you to do so. Well, Jesus reframes relationship with God in John 15. He makes the whole thing different than it's ever been before. No longer, but I have called servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So from John 15, 15, forever, from that day forward, God and humans are to relate as friends. God and humans are to relate as friends. Well, how is this possible? Through the motif of similarities and differences. Because God is totally different than humans. There is no similarity between me and God. We are totally dissimilar. God is everywhere present. I'm only present one place. God is all-knowing. I know very little. God is, all, God is love. I'm not all love. God and Kent are totally dissimilar. So how can there be a relationship if similarities and differences are required in that relationship with God? Because God and Kent are totally dissimilar. 
until Jesus. Praise God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, in Bethlehem's manger, Jesus put on my jersey. Jesus put on my garment. Jesus put on flesh, just like you are flesh and I am flesh. Jesus became a human. And now God and Kent are not dissimilar at all. Because he's a man, I'm a man. He's a human, I'm a human. Jesus and I are very similar. No temptation has seized you. Except what is common to man. And so Jesus being fully God and fully man is now very similar to you. I went, I don't like it when I get a paper cut. Anybody that paper cuts are miserable. He had nails in his wrist. He felt real human pain just like you feel and just like I feel. God is not totally different than me. He's very similar through his work of Jesus on the cross. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of, put your name in there, in the likeness of Kent, in the likeness of Charles, in the likeness of Zane, in the likeness. He, he is very similar because of the work of Jesus. And so in a sense, Jesus put on our jersey and became human. This is from Bible Hub. It's a, a list of commentaries. The pure Godhead is terrible to behold. We could not see it and live. But clothing himself with our flesh makes the divine nature more amiable and delightful to us. Now we need not be afraid to look upon God, seeing him through Christ's human nature. It was a custom of old among the shepherds. They were wont to clothe themselves with sheepskins. Why did the shepherds wear sheepskins? To be more pleasing to the sheep. So Christ clothed himself with our flesh that the divine nature may be more pleasing to us. The human nature is a glass through which we may see the love and wisdom and glory of God clearly represented to us. Through the lantern of Christ's humanity, we may behold the light of the deity shining. He clothed himself with our flesh. So he's similar couple of theology terms people sometimes enjoy. God is totally different than us. That's called transcendence. Yet he is similar. That's called eminence. So God is both different and the same. And because of this, we can have relationship with him. Oswald Chambers' great devotion, my utmost for his highest. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain with God and with the surrounding influence and qualities produced by that relationship. That is all God asks us to give our attention to. And it is the one thing that is continually under attack. The most important aspect of your Christianity is not the work you do, but the relationship you maintain with God and others. 
There are 59 one another commandments in the Bible, each requiring relationships for fulfillment. You cannot do the one another's all alone. The one another passages of the Bible, 59 of them, require that you're in a group, require that you're with people, require that you get the faith to say, I'm nervous that I'm too different than you, or I'm nervous that our similarities aren't strong enough, and and get the faith to move into the vast space between yourselves and others. Because in fact, relationship with God is possible because he's similar and different, similar and dissimilar, and he has chosen you. How about you say with me, I am chosen by God. Ready? I am chosen by God. You did not choose me, John 15, 16, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I like that. However, C.S. Lewis throws a curveball in here that is powerful. In friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. I stand here today as a pastor at Malden Assembly having chosen to be here. And I, right? Because you chose to be here. I chose you and you chose me. Right? In reality... A few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances could have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. I love this line. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every person at Malden Community Assembly, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. Praise God. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. If C.S. Lewis is correct, you and I were chosen by God for each other. Yeah, it's a blessing. You are not in that chair today by accident. I am not on this stage by accident. You were chosen for the people here, and I was chosen for the people here, and the people here were chosen by God for you. And it's a beautiful thing that we are chosen by God for each other. Beautiful. My prayer is that God will grant us the faith to put on what is necessary to celebrate the similarities and embrace the differences. As we move into the vast space between ourselves and others. Because it is there that we do our best work and live our best lives. Our best work is being chosen by God for each other and spanning the space between ourselves and networking our hearts together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 
For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. Say, well, you know, I don't, I don't know about that life group. I'm so different than them. Paul said, you can become all things to all people. I've told this story so many times, it moved me deeply. And I'll tell it one more time at least. And that is, uh, my, my mom is uh, now 86. Let's say she's probably 83 then or something. And she called me and she goes, I got to talk to Daniel. I said, okay, uh, uh, my mom doesn't like sports. She doesn't watch TV. I don't even think, no, she has a TV. But I don't think she has a TV. She doesn't watch sports. She doesn't do that. So I say, Daniel, grandma wants to talk to you. She goes, I could hear it. I was on speakerphone. She goes, hey, Daniel, wasn't that a great dunk by Kobe? I'm going, what you doing, Mom? She said, oh, I know my grandson loves basketball, so I went over to a friend's house to watch basketball so I can relate to my grandson. There's somebody that's very similar. We're all red ferns. And yet she's 83 and doesn't like sports, but she can become a sports fan to relate to a grandson. She can put on the jersey of a sports fan to reach somebody that's a sports fan. You can put on the jersey of people in your church, similar and dissimilar, so that you can love one another. My prayer has been and is today that you will go outside your normal circle of friendships that you might share who you are with others. I don't have time to do this. This is another sermon I wrote for this series. I won't be giving it, but it's called this, the selfishness of friendlessness. Friendlessness is selfish. Somebody needs your friendship. They need you. They need your perspectives. They need your insights. They need your humor. They need your personality. They need you in their life. And I'm asking you, put on the jersey of that person and say, you know what? I can do this. I can go into a group that is similar and I can go into a group that sharpens me like iron sharpens iron. And in the end, that's where we'll do our best work and live our best lives. Back to Pee Wee and Jackie. They can say all they want. We're just here to play ball. It's just a bunch of crackpots still fighting the Civil War. Hell, we'd have won that son of a gun if the corn stalks would have held out. We just ran out of ammunition. Better look next time, Pee Wee. Ain't gonna be a next time, Jackie. All we got is right here. Thank you, Jack. What are you thanking me for? I got family out there from Louisville. I need them to know. I need them to know who I am. Hey, number one. You playing ball or socializing? Playing ball, up. 
playing ball. 42. That way they won't tell us apart. So, Lord, we ask you to help us put on the jersey of the people that are similar and the people that are different than we are. We ask God for someone that's never had a friend of a different ethnicity, that they'd be able to say, I'm from Vietnam and and you're from Korea. We're different, but let's navigate those similarities. That we'll be able to say, I I, uh, am without, I have lack, and you have more than enough. But we can superintend that space and we can navigate the similarities and the differences. Someone can say, I'm old and you're young, but we can navigate the, the, the space of dissimilarities. Someone will say, I know the word of God in depth. And somebody else say, I never picked up the word of God at all in my life. I don't even, I don't even know where to start in this Bible. Say, hey, you know what? We can navigate that similarity and that difference. Someone say, I've never had it better. My life is rolling. Somebody else says, I've never had it worse. We can navigate those similarities and dissimilarities. And thank you, Lord, that at the birth of Jesus, God became similar to us. He is in every way tempted or tested as are we. We do not have a high priest who is not moved with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus knows what it is to have an infirmary. He knows what it is to have an infirmity. He knows what it is to have battle and struggle and and challenges. And it's because God in Jesus became similar. That we can step into relationships that are similar and different. In Jesus' name, amen. Your mercy is Love wider than horizons Stronger than all sin And Lord, by the days gone by 